Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. And welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber, along with Jim Cramer. We are in separate locations, of course, although maybe towards the end of the week I may come and visit you, Jim. We'll see. As you take a look at futures right now, you can see, of course, as Andrew just told us, we are set up for what's going to be a lower open after uh, those volatile and down days that we had towards the end of last week. Significant percentage declines, of course, in all the major averages. Uh, as we head into a, a new week, Jim, with a focus once again on a resurgence of cases in certain parts of the country for the virus, concerns about China as well, and then the overall, as we of course know, um, expectations regarding the economy and what the impact may or may not be as a result of what I just mentioned. Well, I, I think that it's always surprising to me as someone who I think lived through it like you do, uh, that people in, in some of these states didn't realize the level of contagion. I mean, this is one where you're in the room with someone who has it, you're going to get it. Uh, if you touch someone who has it, you're going to get it. You are standing in line with someone, you're going to get it. And I don't know, did people feel they were immune? Uh, I think that there was a sense that maybe New York was isolated. Uh, I don't think this will be like New York because I think that they've learned how to treat people. So I think that the big scare of the hospitals being uh, overloaded will only be perhaps some. I mean, we had a war zone here in New York. I don't think that'll happen there. The Chinese situation, they do contact trace. They'll have that thing under control in, in, uh, in five days. Uh, the Chinese, of course, live in a totalitarian society, so they can afford to do contact trace the way we would never do. Uh, I, I think that this carryover, David, has to do with the fact that we need something positive to happen. Uh, maybe something positive from the White House, something positive beyond what Larry Kudlow said this weekend. Otherwise, I think the direction has changed for a bit and accentuated by some of these new traders who at 4 a.m. are setting a, a, a very negative tone. Uh, for some very high-profile stocks. Yeah, and I want, we want to talk and continue sort of the conversation that we've been having about the level of speculation in the market and whether it really is a result of this entrant from uh, unexpectedly from uh, retail investors, Jim. But back to sort of the, the matters at hand as we deal with them this morning. Um, you know, and we'll have Meg Terrell join us shortly to sort of give oh, us good. an update on Texas on Arizona, on Alabama, Florida, and, and the like. A good news, of course, is here in the New York area, things have calmed down dramatically as they continue to move through a potential opening. Um, but, you know, we spoke to the Treasury Secretary on Thursday, and I asked him that follow-up to Carl's question about, will you consider closing the economy down again? I mean, let's just, for posterity's sake, take a listen to his answer. We can't shut down the economy again. I, I think we've learned that if you shut down the economy, you're going to create more damage, and, and not just economic damage, but there are, there are other areas, and we've talked about this, of medical problems and everything else that get put on hold. I think it was very prudent what the president did, but I think we've learned a lot. All right. So, Jim, we know we're not going to shut down again. Perhaps there will be areas where, as you say, there's a lot more contact tracing. There's a lot more testing, but we're not shutting down again. So should the response still in the market be to a rise in, in cases or are the two not as closely related as we might think? Well, we're starting to get to the Surgeon General uh, after uh 
initially thinking that masks weren't so good, has now backed masks. Uh, masks and social distancing end this. Now, I know there'll be people who say, well, wait a second, Jim. There are some cases that still come up. You, you'll have a situation like China. But we have it within ourselves to be disciplined enough. It's just that uh, an outfit like Costco starts a mask policy and Costco's numbers shoot up. Others, uh, other stores don't have that. I think that that's because there's a, a kind of a live free or die aspect of our country. And that second half of that seems to be a choice of people. I don't think people realize uh, maybe they don't have as many friends as I had. Uh, who, who came down with this? I mean, you know, people who I, right. I regard as tough people who were leveled by it. Uh, people who died from it that I know. And, and I think that there was, you know, look, they were very lucky down there and the luck has run out. So they have to take advantage of some of these things like mass, which have a bad reputation there. And, and frankly, the government didn't really back mass. So it was very difficult for them to figure out what was the right thing. Uh, but, David, yes. it can be stopped. It just has to be stopped using those methods. No, masks appear to be a very effective way to do that, of course. And being outside, as we all know, and gathering outside greatly reduces the risk um, as opposed to being in an indoor area if, in fact, somebody does have it, which, as you just said, on Squawk Box makes it much more likely that other people uh, will. Uh, We we know that. Obviously, it's a continuously evolving data set we're working with in terms of what we do know or what we thought we knew that we no longer can believe in, Jim. Um, but specific now to some of the parts of the market that we've watched closely. Let's mm-hmm. talk travel and leisure. We just were bringing on the airlines. We watched them surge. It was last Tuesday, I think I'd come on and talked about the fact that at that moment, American Airlines' enterprise value was higher than it was pre-COVID. Remember, they'd added a lot of debt. Enterprise value is debt plus equity. Um, It's hard to imagine in this current scenario what's going on in China, what's going on here, that there is really going to be any sort of resurgence in international travel anytime soon, let alone even between the states and the United States. I think that uh, at least between the states, you don't have the quarantine. The quarantine is so, so onerous that if you want to take a week off the United States, your first week would be quarantine and and then you go back. Uh, I think that's what's remarkable, David, is your comments on American Air. Uh, rattled the people who started trading American Air at 4 a.m. Now, we know that there's a new cohort of people. Uh, there are outfits that allow you to trade at 4 a.m. When you watch the crawl at the bottom, you'll see American Air was down hideously this morning. It's, it's always the same. It's Royal Caribbean. It's uh, Norwegian. It's Carnival. It's uh, UL, United Air. Uh, it's American uh, Southwest, uh, St- uh, GNUS, which is a little outfit that does cartoons and different uh, different short videos, uh, and Apache. Uh, those are the ones that trade. And I have made it my business right. to try to know those very well, but we happen to have the expert. We have Phil LeBeau. So I think the people who are trading those should reinstate their cord instead of go cord studded, uh, cutting, which I think they have, and learn something. Because not all airlines are created equal. That's why you have Phil LeBeau. No. That's why you have Phil LeBeau, who told us earlier that United does expect to have $17 billion in liquidity by September uh, at the end of the third quarter of 2020. Uh, financing of $5 billion secured by the airline's loyalty program, Mileage Plus, and a number of other significant uh, things that it will be able to uh, draw on, Jim. How much does that matter? I mean, come September, of course, the idea has been out there that the airlines potentially have to be in a position where they'll have to come back for more government aid. 
Yeah, they will. I mean, they owe a lot of money. I'm always concerned that uh, the newer investors, and I don't want to dwell on them, but they are there are millions of them, so I think that they should be talked about. The newer investors, David, uh, taught me something that you taught me years ago. I was a stock guy, and you would say, have you looked at the credit side? Have you looked at the credit side? The credit side on Hertz shows you that you got to think twice before you buy the common. But there are a lot of people who just think, you know what? It, it, it's an, a roulette game. It's not a roulette game. This is a game, if right. you want to call it that, of skill. And the skill means having an edge. And the edge comes from the debt side. Yep. Listen, Hertz is one of the more remarkable situations that we've seen in some time. By the way, you know, the, the number of, of uh, companies that actually have, once they've declared bankruptcy, uh, equity recovery value is fairly small. Interestingly, American Airlines, which you, we were just talking about, Jim, I can remember. Remember Tom Horton back then? They had a big equity recovery. Yeah, two bucks. Uh, if you recall. Um, yeah, what was it? I think was it. I think it was even more than that. Maybe on so, but how about eventually. general growth, did, David? How about uh, general growth for well. Admin, yes. Kmart for for uh, uh, for Eddie for Eddie Lampert? And general growth obviously was one, but it is a extraordinarily small club. The yes. vast majority of companies that go Chapter Eleven have no real equity recovery value, and that is, of course, why we've been discussing Hertz of late. Uh, it is in a position now, given that it trades, what, $750 million worth of stock every day, maybe as much as a billion a day, where the company said, hey, we got a shelf. Why can't we start selling equity and raise it for ourselves? And they yeah. go to the bankruptcy judge and, and everybody said yes. Why Jeff wouldn't the doing creditors the deal, David? say What's yes, the, of course? What do you think the pitch is? Uh, we, we know Handler. Handler's a very bright guy. I mean, do they pitch that, look, this yeah. could be worth something? Because here's what I was thinking. Let's say it came out against it. Well, then you're coming out against workers. There'll be a lot of people laid off. Uh, let's say it come out against it and J&J has a vaccine. Uh, and suddenly that thing is worth four. Right. Now, I think it's worth zero. Yep. But I think okay. the people who own it are thinking it could be double zero, meaning at the roulette we oh, uh, the green. And double zero is I, remarkable when it pays off. But it's not the, it's not the odds on favorite. No, it is not. And it is a reflection, I think, of the level of speculation in this market. You're right. Listen, Jeffrey's not talking about this, as you might imagine. They, they can't at the, uh, discuss it, uh, Jim. But, I, but I, what I can tell you is there is a belief out there that if you can sell a billion dollars and then maybe you can sell another billion, well, pretty soon you're getting to a number where it, it's not inconceivable, at least, that you can reinstate a going concern um, letter for this company because it will be solvent again. Uh, right. The is that are, unex- uh, un- the unlikely? The are 50% yes. down. You, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's unlikely. Right now, the creditors are like, awesome, great. Sell a billion dollars worth of stock and it is just it makes us so much happier and it's going to be worthless for you. But Do you think, David, they're taking advantage of these newfound investors? And there is, I'm sorry, say again, Do you Jim? think they're taking advantage of the newfound investors, the millions of people who have adopted us, uh, yes. cord-cutting people for the most part who don't watch us, which I wish they did, uh, because there, there's other things to buy. I mean, I would buy Southwest Air. I, not right here. I know, right. There you can make a... Jim, I, you know, I've heard different things about this cohort, and you are closer to it than I am. You've been following it and talking about Robin Hood, frankly, for months, if not years, um, long before I was sort of focused on it. But it's still not clear to me that when it comes to Hertz, for example, is it really this group? There, there's, there may be a level of speculation that is also institutional and actually is a group of investors who are well-knowing in terms of what's going on. So 
not completely clear to me that it's solely at the at the uh, at the feet of those who are new entrants to this market choosing to do so on platforms like Robinhood and the like and replace what was sports betting for them. Yeah, yeah, but there does appear to, to be an element of that. There are, are many more other than Robinhood and I don't want to taint them. I think Robin does a very good job. I, look, this is democracy in action, right. David, but uh, other it, democracy can lead to some bad choices. But I agree with you. This isn't just young people investing. This is people who says, listen, this thing pays off. This could be the next general growth properties and I can be Ackman. David, doesn't everyone want well, yeah. to be Ackman? Uh, Ack- doesn't this? Oh that, God! It, no, that's not. That's that's a no, no. no. Really? Any of my children try to beat that? Yeah, I don't want to be Ackman. Heavily dissuade. How about Portnoy? No, can be Portnoy. I don't Buffett? know that guy. Um, Buffett? Yeah, that seems more. That seems better in a way. It does to me anyway. I don't know. Yeah. Um, by the way, I mean Ackman out with a spack, but it just goes back to exactly what we're talking about. These special purpose acquisition corporations. Everybody's doing one. Every, I'm surprised you haven't started one. I guess you can't. I'm or I haven't. Because everybody's doing one. I'm believing you know, Write me up for a spec. check. Aspect. Raise another 400 million bucks for a blind check. Yeah, but that's the market. It's like, okay, you never know. It could be the next oh, Nicola. Oh, wrong. Could be I the next blind check to a contractor. He, he did a great job. And what did he build? Oh, man, we're staging a new house, David. That we got this right on the Shinnecock oh, Canal. You'll love it. Oh. Can't wait. Yeah. I can't wait. Got right, a I'm slip? Gonna, I'm going to hit Italy first. Eli Manning's house when he rented? Yeah. Nice. All right. We've really got to go. I know we're going to get an update from Meg Terrell on what's going on in terms of the uh, uh, the states that are seeing a resurgence in uh, COVID cases, Jim. A lot more squawk on the street coming right up. New coronavirus infections are trending higher in a number of states across the south and the west of the country. Meg Terrell, of course, uh, has been following it closely and joins us now with that news on those growing U.S. hotspots, I guess is what we call them. Right, Meg? We do, and they're in the hottest parts of the country right now, David. If you look overall at the national trends, we're trending at about 21,000 uh, new cases per day over the last week. So that's remaining essentially flat. We did report about 21,000 yesterday, down from 26,500 on Saturday. Regionally, though, you see massively different stories. The Northeast, of course, continues to come down, as does the Midwest. But the South and the West are starting to show those massive upticks. This, according to data from the COVID tracking project. Now, the states of concern uh, really show upticks not just in cases, but also in hospitalizations. Texas showing uh, 2,287 uh, currently hospitalized patients with COVID. Uh, Arizona also showing almost 1,500. North Carolina also showing a spike in hospitalizations up to about 800. Now, Florida doesn't report uh, current hospitalizations in the same way as these do, but it does show this big uptick in the number of cases. And its test positive rate um, has been uh, increasing since May 17th now is up to more than 5% from just more than 2% uh, last month. Now, the hotspots in the country, these are the metro areas with the fastest case doubling time, according to Evercore ISI. Phoenix continues to be the fastest growing area in the country with cases doubling every two weeks. Tampa also seeing a quick growing number of cases. Charlotte, North Carolina, Austin, Texas, and central Washington state as well, which health officials there flagged over the weekend as a concerning trend. Guys, you are starting to hear from local officials that they're considering pausing their reopening plans or even reinstituting shelter-in-place orders if we start to see these trends worsen, including in New York City, guys, even though the trends here are still going in the right direction. Back over to you. Meg, I'm so glad you mentioned uh, New York City because 
does seem that Governor Cuomo is angry. I know that when you walk around the city streets, it's pretty clear that nobody thinks there's any that it's over, uh, that it's been beaten. Uh, it is uh, kind of remarkable the uh, the cavalier nature of what I see. And, and without I, look, I obviously don't want things closing. I two uh, establishments, one where we sell pizza to go, and one where we sell margaritas to go. But uh, I think it looks like people think it's over and it's done, and let's have a good time. And Meg, does that does that jive with what the governor's thinking? Yeah, so this uh, discussion around potentially reinstating that shelter-in-place order was after the governor saw the crowding in the streets of New York City. Uh, So then we checked, you know, are we actually seeing trends increase again? And no, you know, not yet. Cases are still coming down in the city. Uh, The trends are going in the right direction. Uh, But of course, there is a lag uh, in these reports. So we're going to be watching that data closely to see if the coming together of people on the streets in New York uh, does result in an increase in cases. You and I do a lot of work in this segment off off record and off, off camera. Uh, Meg, I am getting a level of encouragement about both uh, monoclonal antibody and vaccine that three months ago would have been ridiculous. And uh, those who are selling stocks right now, Meg, I really think that they could be whipsawed because I think the science is coming together faster. Are you getting the same feeling? Well, if you look at the progress that's been made just since this began, it is just incredible. Uh, I was moderating a panel with the New York Academy of Sciences on Friday uh, where one of the uh, doctors was talking about if you got COVID in March, you're in a much different situation than if you get COVID now. Uh, now we have convalescent plasma. And there's increasing data showing that works. We have remdesivir, although it is in short supply. The modest might be benefit. Uh, the benefit might be modest, but uh, it is still something. Our understanding of how to treat this disease is improving and the tools are getting better. We are in human clinical trials uh, in multiple vaccines. So the science is moving incredibly quickly uh, and it will continue to do so. Meg, thank you uh, for the updates. Of course, something that's having an impact on the overall uh, market at this point and clearly what we're watching closely. Meg Terrell joining us. We're going to take a quick break and uh, I think we're going to do a little uh, mad dash when we get uh, get ready for that opening bell. Uh, nine minutes from now, you can see, of course, we are set up for what will be a sharply lower open this morning in part on what Meg was just talking about. We got a lot more squawk in the street coming back. Welcome back to Squawk in the Street. Time for a mad dash. Of course, you got me and Jim here. Carl has uh, the day off today, uh, by the way, Jim. Um, what do you got? GE, I notice, going to replace an important executive. You know David Joyce has been there for 40 years, David. I had no idea he'd been running aviation or been in aviation for that long. That's an incredible amount of service and uh, done a great job. Vice chair of GE, president and CEO of GE Aviation. John Slattery comes in. Now, David, he's from Embraer. He's an outsider, all right? Uh, he also worked in the lesser division, uh, 51, uh, 51 years old. And I've got to tell you, 15 years in aircraft finance. Financing could really help. This is a change. Uh, someone from the outside. And this division has been the crown jewel, obviously, because of all the problems with uh, with Boeing. It, it's been stalled. But I think this is an important change. It, uh, this is a sign, once again, that Larry Culp stamping his uh, brand on all of the different divisions. He did tell me this morning 
business remains challenging. That's the word he's been using. That's a consistent word, yep. challenging. And how could it not be? I do think that this uh, uh, going toward wind and away from that gas that's occurring is very much going to help Larry. But obviously, wind's uh, multiples, not uh, the they just don't make that much money on wind. But I think he's making his changes, doing his thing. Uh, there are not many people on Wall Street who want to get behind him right here. Uh, but I think that's because of problems at Boeing, not necessarily because of problems of him. Right. Listen, like, well, like so many companies, of course, that came into this year with expectations that have differed dramatically, GE's amongst them, Jim. Uh, this was going to be a transition year, perhaps one in which you could start talking about growth again. Right. Uh, obviously, that's off the table for GE. Yeah, now that's what I was doing at the beginning of the year because I, I just uh, underestimated the problems with the 737 MAX. Well, I, by the way, I don't think anyone uh, saw the 737 MAX just going to be on hold. But also, obviously, COVID. You know, seeing COVID, you had to be a pretty much of a visionary to see COVID. Yeah. You know, David, I'm, is, cha- I'm, I'm changing my life. Uh, do I had a... 12-person party on Tuesday night, uh, social distancing. But in New Jersey, we're allowed to have people. This was all outside. We can have people outside. Uh, and I always thought that that would be enough. But no, people want to take it and say, oh, we can be outside. We can go inside. We can sit next to each other. No, and the air conditioning in a restaurant has to be changed in order to make it so you don't get the droplets. Uh, just talk to Wynn. Uh, Wynn has really figured this out and is a remarkably yep. scientific outfit. You have to be scientific to open up a restaurant. No, you do. Maybe it'll be beneficial to Carrier, of course, that recent spin from United Technologies. What a great call. I hadn't thought about that. As as businesses need to upgrade their their ability to have air recirculating in an effective way. Jim, back, if I can, to personnel changes. I think worth mentioning uh, Marilyn Eusen. Now, this was expected and planned. and. Uh, but no longer going to be CEO of Lockheed. Um, Jim Tacklett, a guy we both know pretty well from his time at American Tower taking over. Jim Tacklett. Oh, my. I love Jim. He has been the stalwart of the group. That's that's uh, I think that's a remarkable hire. Uh, he's come on Mad Money many, many times. Should be when the shorts have attacked. And he's just always presented a fantastic, fa- absolutely fantastic uh uh, let's just say rebuttal. Wow, what a great hire. Outside. Yeah. Uh, they Boy, had, is that uh, an outside. That I always call him James. They call him Jim. He'd been on the board since uh, since 2018. By the way, you saw the opening bells. Here we go. Start trading, of course, for the week. At the big board, personal care and cosmetics group, Natura, uh, Natura and Company. They own Avon, if you recall. And over at the NASDAQ online marketplace, one of your favorites, Jim, Etsy. Etsy's on fire. Etsy's headquarters is about five blocks from me. And Etsy is part of that cohort. Like Shopify, we haven't mentioned the Walmart deal yet. Uh, Even like eBay, David, like Twilio, these are companies that are all viewed as being the new way to shop. Now, Facebook's also there uh, with Facebook shops, which are doing quite well. Uh, And that stock's had a run. But Etsy. Etsy's remarkable. It's uh, I've been on Etsy for our bar to buy things that can't be gotten conventionally. Uh, it's a remarkable marketplace. Many people getting masks on it. And uh, I, I think that's great. Josh Silverman's done a fantastic job. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he took over in a somewhat difficult situation a number of years back and 
Well, as you've uh, pointed out many times, of well, course, the previous CEO had a very strong road. was, um, let's say, uh, uh, felt that profits should be distributed somewhat the way that uh, that Trotsky felt, uh, not Lenin, because remember, Lenin wanted the the government to have uh, to own the means of production, but Trotsky wanted the workers to own the means of production. So what's always have to distinguish right. those. And it was an ice pick, David. It was an ice pick that. That, that it was. Yeah, no, Trotsky. I visited. I actually visited, you know, I went to Frida Kahlo's and then I visited Trotsky's house, too, because they're not far from each other. They used to spend some time together. Right. Down there in Mexico City. Do you have a unibrow? Right? I so. can't tell. Did you develop a unibrow up there? No, yeah, I haven't. Why? Fe- fe- uh, yeah. Fre- yeah. She had a fabulous unibrow. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yes. Right. David. Trotsky's name. I, it's funny. He, I, I forget his, Lev real, his name when he. Lev Bronstein. That, thank you. No problem. Thank you. Yeah. No problem at all. Right. I yeah. know that because I happen to be related it. to Lennon. I didn't know that. <laughs> I was stopped on the street. You studied Russian, you studied Russian history and, 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 in yes, college, and you and, still and somehow remember this stuff. And a woman stopped me on the street and says, I know you. I know you. And I'm thinking, <laughs> she's watching me. But just, you're tr- you're, you're, no, I, 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 you're Lennon's great great grandson. No, no, I'm not. She's uh, <laughs> you're related oh, to Lennon. Said, All right, okay, I'm Lennon. Can't live it down. He was hey, a mass, he was a mass murderer, right, by they, the way. Uh, yeah, I guess nothing to uh, nothing to laugh David, at. David, look and at this market. What are the, what are sure. those people? What are those buyers doing? Are they selling United Airlines? What are those people doing? Those 4 a.m. Yeah. traders. Are they selling? Or are they uh, well, buying? You know. I wonder, Jim, if they aren't revisiting your COVID portfolio, because they I should. did notice, well, Netflix was up briefly. Peloton is up, although we're not talking about a lot here because we're talking about a significant downdraft overall in the market right now with the S&P down over 2%. But uh, I did notice that at least, you know, maybe they're going to come back to some of those stay at home names, Jim. Yeah, I wish there were a bicycle company you could buy. I guess many of them are in China uh, because uh, you can't find a bicycle at any of the Walmarts that I've checked. Uh, I saw your uh, tweet. Wasn't that your was that yes, your tweet yes, that had yes, the picture yes. of the empty racks? At, Can't yeah, yeah. get a bite. We have to get Walmart on because of their new tie up with Shopify. David, this is a Walmart that is not the same Walmart that you that you did your special on. Walmart tying up with Shopify, the Canadian outfit that is trying to put Walmart out of business. Well, it was uh, that is. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I think I what think does Shopify it mean to you? What, what you do? I know yeah. that you've thought that for a long time. Well, as we watch the market points. cap, I thought Tesla was great yeah. for 500 points. And people tell me I'm late. People are such complainers. I need uh, to know what these people you, are you buying, know, David. They determine things. They're buying electronic arts. Why? Because they think a lot of arts is electronic arts is in line to buy Warner games. Right, which uh, CNBC.com reports may be for sale right. by AT&T. Uh, unclear what that would be worth, although it could be a lot. I, I, frankly, I'm not familiar with that business, um, no. I remember I we, really once asked, well. uh, uh, we once asked uh, Bukas how much it was worth. And, and I, David, he, he is, you know, he's a great American. Great American. Bukas. Great American. Yeah. I, I assume he still resides in the in the 50 states. I'm not. Can't even you find him and an, get the ultimate interview in an of the island century. somewhere? You can really? find people him. want to hear from Jeff Bukas. I could find him. Yeah, if I need to find him, I can find him. I don't know that people really want to hear from him. No, They're probably 
prefer to hear from Stanky, the man who's running AT&T right now, uh, stock of which is only down, well, actually it is uh, down about 3% right now is AT&T, down 24% for the year. Jim, let's sort of reset things here with the S&P hanging on at r- roughly 2970 You mean by so. bringing up 3M, which is once again issuing okay. a release, saying that things are worse than we thought? Uh, and 3M is, uh, this is no recovery. David, no recovery. What do we got here? 3M, total sales for May declined 20% year on year. I think that's negative. Organic local currency sales uh, uh, declined 21%. Again, I think that's suboptimal. You may disagree. Uh, 28% in decline for transportation electronics. Again, David, I find that to be not what I would want if I was running that conglomerate. Uh, no. So, does is there anything you take away from this from yeah, this what we're just, uh, on yeah, 3M GDP. that has a broader application? It's GDP. I mean, Mike Roman's so he's a good executive, but this is what happens. This is yeah. the GDP that we're faced with, and it's not just the China outbreak. It has to it has to do, David, with the fact there's not a lot of business going besides Zoom video. How's Zoom video I doing know. today? Zoom video. Oh, there you go. Uh, Always, always good to see that rally. That's the most COVID of COVID stocks. And remember, Eric Yuan is a rock star. CEO, he's a rock star. I know who he is. They still have their servers in China, right? That's where their servers Uh, are. David, you know, nitpicker. Just just ask. He's always bringing me down like that. How about, uh, here's one. How about (laughs) Sanofi that's up today? Wait, wait, wait. What? Wait, wait. Let's let's just make sure people understand on 3M what you were referring to. They did put out what they're calling their sales information for the month of May. Yeah. And that's that's what we got that from a a, a press release, as you pointed out, two point two billion down 20 percent year on year. Uh, And the question, of course, will continue to be what is the outlook overall, Jim? And so many companies have suspended guidance. As right. you might expect. It's What's very interesting, to know. you know, there were, uh, there were two less days, two fewer days, excuse me. And uh, it is in line with what the analysts were expecting. It's not like this is revelatory. I'm, I'm right. bringing it up because the gross domestic product of the world is not that strong. And you'll be certain companies that I think can come back. And Apple, because of the service revenue stream, that stock was down seven at, uh, at quarter after four. And now it's barely down. We have to find out. Maybe that's David Day yeah. Trade. Maybe he's been, been that one. David, that's David Portman. Jim, you know, on, on this whole story that we've been trying to follow and really figure out how important and how, uh, how influential is this new group of so-called day traders, you pointed out many of them may not even be watching us. We would right. encourage them to. But, cord cutters. Uh, do and they hang around? Are they for real? Are we making... Are we making more of it than we should? No, uh, than we should? no we're others not, as because well there are we're millions of them. The no, there are millions of them. They're, they, they looked Robin Hood, and this is not just Robin. They have probably 11 million people, and you don't sign up for Robin Hood in order to be able to buy CDs. These people are now maybe they uh, are getting information that's kind of like uh, a little binary. They like binary outcomes, but I do know that they are important because the institutions, for the most part, are just mock. Uh, S&P funds, the big, uh, big hedge funds come on and are very, very negative. And these guys are they're gamblers to some degree. But, David, there are many people who are gamblers in the stock market, but they refuse to call themselves that. 
They call themselves investors or they're renters. And I think to look down at these people is to lose them. Can't we stop losing them? We lost millions of people in 2001 because we ignored them. 2007, 2008. How about the, the, uh, the flash crash? We've lost too many people. How about educating these people? How about helping them? That's what I think our job should be. Not ignoring them, right. well, but that's helping what- them. That to, is what you've dedicated yourself to, sure to doing have, and have been doing for people. so many years. I don't want them to lose money. They don't money. want to lose money. It's not like they said no, there but is no great unwashed. That's that proletarian thing. I mean, I'm not going with the pro. You know, this is not the lump in pro. These are people who want to make money and they can be helped by our network. Our network can help them at what they do. And that's what we should do. Right. Okay. But, uh, you know, to your point, though, Jim, there, there's a larger question as to how much investing really does take place overall. We've pointed out many times the average holding period of a, of a mutual of a mutual fund manager is not particularly long at this point. You know, when it, when I started in this business, when you did, when I started covering it and when you started in it, I mean, you, you put out your, I don't know, six month numbers and then it was every month. And then it was your weekly number. And right. then it was your daily number. And then it became hour to hour, minute to minute, given your ability to actually understand and know exactly what was going on that way. It's hard to imagine going back. I mean, investing doesn't seem to take place as often as you might expect uh, overall. But a show uh, at 4 a.m. that talks about what's moving, because that's when the training starts, uh, I think would be very enlightening for these people. Uh, if you let's put it this way, if you listen to Phil LeBeau, I think you would favor buying Southwest over United. If you just decide to buy the airlines or some airline ETF, you're going to get the good with the bad. So we educate people that there are some that are better than others. Education is something that we must do more of uh, because we don't want these people to say it's a sucker's game. It doesn't have to be a little bit of research. Some watching of us will get you there. So if we decide that they are the great unwashed and we don't want to deal with them, we're fools and they're winners. Can't do it. All right. Well, speaking of uh, one of the names that we followed closely. No, you can't be. We try not to be. Um, At the same time, when you watch people buying potentially a worthless stock, as in Hertz, maybe it won't be. Maybe there'll be recovery value. Maybe the company will be successful in selling billions of dollars in shares and therefore then suddenly find itself in a position where it no longer is uh, unable to meet the needs of its creditors, maybe. But it does become distressing. By the way, Hertz Hertz barely down now. It had been looking down as much as 20%. They'll get that deal done, I guess. Uh, In the meantime, what are they like today? I mean, I look at it. They, being the gunners, uh, Moderna. Now, maybe there's some Moderna news. Maybe they just feel like, you know what, we can go Moderna because they're going to be next with the vaccine. Uh, If Meg were to do a piece right now about about Moderna, what we might find is there's nothing happening. And they'll be and they'll immediately switch to Innovio. It's the way they do it. We got to keep them. We got to make it so that they know that you can't do that. They're not interchangeable. And this is not the Cleveland Browns going up against the Pats. It's not football. Sorry to go. Ah, so football. Hard no, that's all right. Football, basketball. Hey, look, I could have used premium. All I right. talked to Wilt this weekend. He likes Arsenal coming up against uh, Man- mm. uh, Manchester United. He still thinks that he thinks Man-Man. Liverpool's yeah. going to win, and they're going to have crowd noise there. Crowd noise in the stands for Premier. I right. No crowds, but the noise. Got it. 
Um, all right, let's get to Bob Bassani, get uh, a look at what's going on in the broader market as well this morning. Bob. Uh, good morning, David. Happy Monday, everybody. Of course, we're dealing with the fact that the, the dislocations may last longer than expected. In a sentence, that's really what we're dealing with. You can see Europe is still dealing with it. The stocks is down about 1%. It's well off of the lows. Tough night overseas and over in Asia. Nikkei is down 3.5%. Uh, three days of declines there. Hang Seng down about 2% as well. Here in the U.S., Fang stocks down about 1%, but it's the reopening names. Every day, if you're down, banks are going to be down. Uh, transports are going to be down. Uh, some of the consumer staples will be outperforming. Uh, transports are now in positive territory, but most of the airlines are to the downside. So we're dealing with all of these disconnects that are out there, the disconnects between Wall Street and Mainstream. But we're also dealing, as David referenced, the disconnect between retail and institutional investors. So you see the airlines down again today. And of course, uh, Hertz getting that permission to sell $500 million in stock. Uh, barely down at this point. But that's that disconnect, that retail institutional disconnect that we have been talking about. Uh, UAL, though, remember, I watched it go from 20 to 50. And now what is it, 32 or so in two weeks, 20 to 50 to 32. And the same with a lot of other stocks out there. The energy space has had the same kind of crazy moves. So uh, you look at Halliburton, for example, in energy, uh, $12 a few weeks ago, it went to $16. And now it's back to $12, 12 to 16 to 12 in less than two weeks. That's not a fundamental thing. That's a, a speculative uh, uh, idea. So remember what moves the markets, these buckets that we've been talking about for the last couple months. You can understand what the market does every day if you look into how much it's influencing these various buckets. The valuation, the market's been voting for the last four or five days that it's overbought, understandably so. Is the reopening going well or not? Well, we've had outbreaks now in Beijing and Tokyo and U.S. There's a little bit of a speed bump here on the reopening story. On stimulus, uh, Powell's been saying rates would have to be low through 2022. I think he's going to put a lot of pressure on Congress this week for more stimulus. So, yes, it's there, but they're going to need more. Treatment vaccine front, still a lot of advances there. I think that's still positive. But the bottom line is you have three of the four buckets here that are under some pressure. And that's what we're dealing with. We're debating now is not really whether there is a recovery. There is. It's the pace of the recovery. What is that pace starting to look like? So if you're betting on the pace of the recovery, you've seen these three phases we've been going through. February to March, we've had the shutdown fears. In April and May, we had the reopening hopes. And now we're doing a bit of a reevaluation. So, you know, I think it's pretty simple at this point. Investors, David, are trying to extrapolate for an economic situation we've never seen before. How many recessions have there been since the, the Depression? 14, 15, 16? None of them have ever looked like this. We don't have any economic models to really go on. So we're getting a recovery, David. But if we go back to 85 percent of that recovery, that's still a recession. That's what we're trying to figure out. What is the pace of that recovery looking like? David, back to you. Yeah. And it's not easy to do right now, of course, as you point out, uh, Bob, on that topic. Let's get to Rick Santelli as well. Get a quick look at the bond market, see what it's reflecting this morning, too. Well, David, lots more buyers than sellers. So it continues to be a bastion of what is considered a little bit more safety now that the equity market volatility seems to have uh, come back. And if you look at a two day of tens, uh, what's fascinating here is is that we are slipping under Friday's lows. And remember, Friday was the day the equities made a bit of a comeback. So when I include a few more days and go down the curve to the 30 year for one week, you could clearly see that the volatility in equities put big bids, big drops in the uh, fixed income markets, especially sovereigns. 30 year bonds were down 22 basis points for the week. They're down about a half a dozen basis points now. 
And if you look overseas, same conditions exist for the boons. Uh, month to date, they're hovering at the lowest yields of the month. And remember, they were in the mid-20s not that long ago. It's been a big, big rally in yields, uh, rally in price. And finally, the dollar index. Now, here's a three-day of the dollar index, because three days ago, it basically hit a three-month low. And that volatility in the equity markets was actually putting some safety bids in the dollar as well, although that seems to have ebbed a little bit, but we are still well above those levels under 96 from three sessions ago. Jim and David, back to you. Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli. Uh, We are off the lows ever so slightly on the S&P at this point, but still down 2% as we start this week. We've got a lot more Squawk on the Street for you right after this. Unemployment benefits will not stop in August. What may well stop and this uh, reform is necessary. I mean, almost all businesses, frankly, on both sides of the aisle or mostly both sides of the aisle, understand that the $600 plus up that's above the state unemployment benefits that they will continue to receive is in effect a disincentive. I mean, we're paying people not to work. It's better than their salaries would get. And that might have worked for the first couple of months. It'll end in late July. Uh, I think that returning to employment, uh, we are in the administration, the president is looking uh, at a reform measure uh, that will still provide uh, some kind of bonus uh, for returning to work. Larry Kudlow there, Jim, of course, this uh, weekend on CNN discussing the $600 bonus that uh, will expire at the end of July. doesn't sound like it's going to be reinstated. You know, you've been talking about it a bit. Is it really a disincentive for people to come back to work? Well, Secretary Mnuchin, when I asked him about it, did say, look, it's one of the moral hazards of trying to make it so that Americans, struggling Americans, can get through this period I thought it was a, uh, one of these statements that was uh, from the heart and felt that it, it was right. Larry didn't contradict him. He did say that was something that we needed. Uh, is it a disincentive? Uh, as someone who's tried to hire people, uh, the minimum wage is a disincentive uh, in New York. With minimum wage, the, we can't pay what we can't pay what they, the government pays. We just can't. We can't afford it. It will be interesting. What I thought was great was this idea that you get a bonus, that people get a bonus if they find a job. That would just be terrific uh, because it is going to be hard to get a job and, and they have to be thinking like that. They really do. Yeah. As we watch New York try to reopen, of course, Jim, I want to talk to you at some point. Huh. I'm sure we will this week about what you're seeing in terms of your small businesses. Uh, it's a very, very difficult environment. Well, we, uh, see, we beat difficult the virus, environments. David. We beat it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have the S&P down about 1.8%. Let's uh, get in a quick break, and we're right back. Off our lows, take a look, though, at the S&P laggards. It's been a somewhat more orderly correction, if you want to call it that, or pullback, at least so far. Uh, you can see Cody, Norwegian Cruise, United Airlines, the usual suspects, as you might expect, on a day like today. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street. Time for Stop Trading. AMD is the name. Yeah, Dave, remember when you used to stop and ask me what's the key to this market? Yes, I do. AMD is the key. I do. Spectacular piece by Piper Sandler today, talking about how they still only have a small relative market share in notebooks. They're coming on strong. They do have the best 
I think they have the best notebook chips. Uh, winning some business, I believe, with Apple, not in this. Uh, but the um, David, the client CPU business is so strong. If AMD starts moving up, then I predict that particular cohort that we talked about will key on this stock and take up all the semis. Yes, I think they are important because they're millions, millions strong, and we can either encourage them or thumb our nose. I'm going for encouragement with education. Lisa Sue continues to be one of your favorites. Well, look, you're from Queens. My wife's in Queens. You're from Queens, and you're a star. Uh, My wife was the state champion in bicycling when she was 14 uh, in the velodrome in Queens. And Lisa Sue's smarter than all of us, and she's from Queens. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know she's smarter than Jensen Wong, though. Right? Yeah, there you go. Jensen Wong? Yeah. Jensen Wong's Da Vinci. (laughs) What's... uh, What's coming up on uh, on Mad Money tonight? Campbell's Soup. We're going to find out whether people have changed their buying patterns since they've tasted how good it is. And Tom Palmer, Newmont Mine, I continue to believe that everyone should own some gold. You never know what's going to happen. Gold is insurance. I have Chubb and I have Newmont. I don't really have Chubb, but that's my insurer. And you need Newmont. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. 